0: There we go. I don't know if I'm started yet. There we go. All right. Sorry about that. Good early Sunday afternoon to you. Uh, it's your pal Boiler Dowd. Um, hope you're doing well. Purdue has uh, survived a, clo- an, a close game. <clears throat> they beat Florida Atlantic 28-26 to yesterday at Rossade in a homecoming tilt. Um, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to look over some key points here in a second. But let me thank my... Our sponsors, our sponsors. Uh, AJ's. Head over to AJ's next time you're on campus. Uh, and if you're if you're nearby and you want to order a head, go over to eatajs.com. Uh grab grab a burger, grab some uh, some pub fare, uh, sit down. Uh, if you want to hang around with friends, great place to watch games. Uh eatAJs.com. And of course, uh, go to Martin Vintage if you want uh, some classic Purdue gear that feels really nice and will make you look as good as a niche. Well, maybe. Uh martinvintage.com, interboiled at checkout uh, for 15% off. So yesterday, Purdue welcomed Florida, Florida Atlantic uh, to ross Aid for homecoming. Uh, fun day, as homecoming usually is. A lot of people in town. I got to see Anish and Jay in person again. That's It's always a treat to have those guys around. Um, but uh, pretty cool. Uh, there's always neat stuff happening at homecoming. There's a different energy on campus, of course. A lot of stuff happening. Um, having the new look helmets with uh, Pete on one side were different. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of them, but I know a lot of people were. Um, seeing the multiple uh, Purdue Petes, the old timey Purdue Petes there, it's always fun and interesting. I always try to place them and what era and how how much older they are than my dad, for instance, is uh, something I look at. I think you had the 1980s era Purdue Pete there, and then you had one from, I think, the 40s. So uh, pretty, pretty cool to see that. But more than just the stuff that uh, is around the game, um, the stuff in the game matters a lot to people like me. And, and um, let's let's bef- before we dig in, let's say a win is a win. Like uh, Zach, the Purdue fan, says here in the margin, who's watching live. Correct, a win is a win. Gladly won. Uh, it's a good win. There were a lot of big plays made to clinch the win, but there are a lot of missed opportunities again. And this is kind of a recurring theme with this team. It's kind of tough to swallow for some people to see a team that a lot of people think has so much potential simply not reaching reaching that potential. One of the reasons yesterday, one of the big problems this team had yesterday was cornerback play was was lacking. Um, and there, that, let's let's look at the reasons for that. The first one you could say is Florida Atlantic, as I told you in the pregame. Has a ton of speed. They are very athletic. They have a couple guys that are just flat-out burners. They have a couple guys that are <clears throat> an interesting combination of uh, size and speed. Number 86 specifically comes to mind. I can't remember his name. <clears throat> uh, and he he hurt Purdue on a couple key plays. I, I think he had a conversion on a, a long third down. He had another play. Uh, the quarterback threw a, threw a prayer off his back foot that... Should have been intercepted, uh, but he caught it uh, in the middle of the field. And Florida Atlantic made plays. Their offense made plays. Their quarterback made plays. They kept the game close all day. Uh, Purdue could not separate themselves. I I said yesterday, and I'll keep saying this, this Purdue football team seems to dislike success. They don't like putting space between them and their opponent and really stepping on them. They did it versus Indiana State. They haven't done it other times, and it felt like they could have in each of the games they played in. But they won, 28-6. to So let's look. The cornerbacks, though, specifically. They were down a man yesterday. A lot of people were forgetting this. Reese Taylor was out yesterday. And he was out with a host of other Boilermakers that weren't playing. Of course, Graham is still out. Jalen Graham is still out. Cam Craig was out. King Doru was out. Brock Thompson was out. Aiden O'Connell was out. That's a lot of key players. It's a lot of experience. Uh, those are difference makers on a team and uh, to be down five six guys and I think there are others uh, maybe there's a seventh there who was a significant player but to be down six starters that's a big deal that's a big deal and maybe I have underestimated the importance of that I didn't know that in my pregame how many of them would be out I knew a couple were going to be out but I didn't uh, I, I may be discounting their importance specifically and let's look at Key situations, of course, Graham is important all over the field because he makes so many plays. He's going to be out for another, could be back next week, could be back in the next two to three weeks, depending on how his legs are feeling, how they're healing. You know, he has those, I think they're microfractures on his uh, non-weight-bearing bone in his lower leg. I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you what that bone is. It's either the tibia or fibula. Um, And then you've got um, Cam Craig. I'm not sure what his injury was. Uh, King Doru continues uh, to try to be on the men. Brock Thompson is healing from his major surgeries he had to deal with in the off season to kind of rectify a situation in around his knees. He's got a lot of hardware there. and um, he's been dealing with ongoing pain. Uh I would say Trice still is recovering from his ACL. He does not look like the same player. Trice is one of those guys that uh, on many plays is just out of out of position. Um uh, Kane had a play, especially in the back in the back of the end zone on a touchdown where he wouldn't turn around to find the ball. That's a frustrating thing to watch, to watch corners and linebackers not turn around to find the ball. Um, really tough. And um I don't know if there's an excuse for that. I don't think there's an excuse for that. The defense has generally had some problems this year they didn't have last year. That could be explained many different ways, but um Lambert's Lambert's uh leaving the program, may have made more of a difference in that type of thing, um, in technique and discipline, than we gave, it, gave him credit for when he left because um, Hagan and um, Coach English are both very good, experienced coaches. <clears throat> Regardless of the reason, though, it's happening. So the defensive backfield is struggling. But the flip of that, of course, the defensive backfield have also made some plays this year and yesterday made some big plays. Chris Jefferson had another big Uh, interception. This one was off deflection. Uh, Great play. And right when he gets interception in his hands, he's looking to do big things and maybe hit pay dirt. I think he ran the ball about 47 yards back after he intercepted it. It was a pivotal play. There were a lot of pivotal plays. I'd say that was a huge play. The conversion on fourth down by Charlie Jones. He didn't have a huge day at 59 yards receiving, but that one conversion on fourth down was extremely important. Extremely important. and then uh, there's one other play, uh, obviously the, the scoop of the fumble at the end of the game when Florida Atlantic was looking to keep a drive alive on fourth down, and Kane made that play, so defensive back making another big play. Um, I would say the, the play of Austin Burton was generally a highlight. Uh, the Brahms had some good plays dialed up. Their scripted stuff looked very, very good. Um, very good. And... Um, Uh, I think Austin Burton handled himself well. He completed 72% of his passes. Um, He's a guy that I think would be a candidate for a game ball. Another guy I really liked what he played was Devin Mockabee. I think he was was tied for receptions or receiving yards, 59 yards receiving. He added, let me see if I can give you this. He added another, um, yeah, he had another 37 yards of rushing, 6.2 yards of carry. Great, great game. But if I'm going to give out one game ball just because he was so important to kind of the general game plan, I'm going to say it was Dylan Downing. Dylan Downing became the first running back uh, from Purdue to run for over 100 yards since Horvath did it two years ago during the COVID year. He had 15 carries, 113 yards, 7.5 yards a carry. And in his post-game comments, it was awesome, his post-game comments, he gave all credit to the – to the offensive line in front of him. And there's a couple pictures around there. If you look at uh, Purdue Football's Twitter feed, there's one picture specifically that shows downing running through a hole that literally I could drive my car through. And he was fast enough that he could be compared to a fast car. Man, he was. his first step was good. He looks like a different player since he's shed that weight. He's explosive. He's still got, um, I think he's still got two years Maybe three years of eligibility, depending on how we look at the COVID stuff. I really don't know. But Downing could be an important guy. Mock could be uh, could be a, a very, very important guy in the years to come as he's a freshman eligibility. Kobe Lewis had a carry. Burton had a couple carries. Um, uh, designed some some not designed. Kept some plays alive by using his feet. One thing that was interesting, I think it was the third, the third possession of the game. Michael Alamo came in the game. Um, he didn't pass the ball a lot. He, he had his first pass. He really sailed it. It was a very dangerous pass. It was thrown into double coverage. There was a safety over the top, um, and a corner stride for stride with Purdue's receiver. Can't remember who the target was at that point. Probably Jones, but can't remember. Going down the left sideline. If he wouldn't have sailed it, it was almost assuredly an interception because of the way it was being guarded. But he stared him down. through the ball anyway. He only got one chance to impress. He looked okay. Had a very uh, interesting play on a scramble. I think design scramble came around left side, jumped, looked like he karate kicked the Florida Atlantic uh, player in the head. I think I don't know why he thought he'd run over him or jump over him, but he gave it a try. So, uh, but that was interesting. So Lamo got to see. We got to see him on the field. There's some. There are some good things to take away. But the thing where I'm I'm hearing more than anything from Purdue fans is some disappointment. I can tell you in the stadium. it's tough to it's tough to it's, it's tough to be optimistic when the defense gives up plays like they did uh like Jeff Bromoy says chunk yardage there were chunks given up defense made a lot of mistakes there were <clears throat> there were some flags but really uh Florida Atlantic took the took the cake on the flags they were they came in with the most uh penalty yards in the nation and they didn't disappoint there they continued on that streak had some really boneheaded plays that Kept Purdue going. Purdue had some that kept them going. Uh, one one guy that's getting a hard time is uh, O.C. Brothers. He had a, he had a play that his back was actually to the play, I believe, um, and they dumped uh, Florida Atlantic dumped the ball out to the right side. It was late in the game. Important play to keep a drive going. He turned around and tried to make the tackle coming from behind. Didn't see the ball, went in his hands. I don't think that's a stupid play. I really don't. I think that's a guy just trying to make a play. That's a little different than some of the things we've seen this season. Um, but it was, it's a good result. Winning 28 to 26 is a good result. It's, it's not uh, what I think Purdue fans would have liked to see. I think a lot of Purdue fans are where I am, where, it's tough not to say, not to admit, not to speak aloud at some point that this team doesn't look like what I thought they would be at this point. I said that last week, but um, they're just not as good as I thought they would be at this point. Is that, is that uh, a statement of damning them for the rest of the year? No, it's not. And Jeff Brahms, I still believe this team will gel and get better in a hurry at some point. Will it be in November or will it be in October? Who knows. But when we look at October, October is important to this team if they have aspirations for making it a quote-unquote special season. The reason is, if you look at that that month, it's important. You've got both Minnesota. Let's see. Well, let me let me make sure. I think you've got both Minnesota and Wisconsin in that um, in that short span. Uh, they're bracketed in that month. We've got Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska, Wisconsin, yes. And if Purdue can go 3-1 and one in October, which is a it's a big ask. It's a big ask. But if they can go 3-1 and one in October, that 9-win total that I thought was a possibility is still very possible, especially if they do what they've been known to do in November under Jeff Brom. So I don't think it's that much of a reach. I don't think it's that ridiculous. But I do think it is a tough thing to ask for. Wisconsin looks like a completely different team. They are struggling mightily this season. Um, I've never been super impressed with Paul Chris, but this year there's a lot of reasons to say, yeah, you can be very, very skeptical of uh, Paul Chris' Wisconsin Badgers. Northwestern looks horrendous. Uh, They are struggling all over the field. They're, They're not a good team. They're not what I thought they'd be. They kind of have a weird rhythm as a program of... Coming, uh, coming together every second or third season and contending for the West, if not winning it, <clears throat> they're not that team this year. Uh, Purdue is not that uh, the team that I thought they were, but Minnesota sure as hell is. They look great, and uh, they had a commanding win over Michigan State yesterday. And it looks like that team's going to run away from, with the West unless Purdue can do something about it next week in Minneapolis. We got a couple people in the um, the <clears throat> margins. A lot of lot of good stuff in here, but one big comment: Michael Hogg says you got to cut down the penalties. Absolutely, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's essential. And uh, this team's got to play more disciplined football. It's all there's to it. Just because you played a team that was less disciplined doesn't make those penalties any less painful, any less uh, difficult to deal with. Purdue's got to, Purdue's got to shape some things up. Um, Josh Clark says we aren't beating Minnesota or Maryland because uh, road penalties will show up. Well, Josh, with that attitude, we're not. But I don't like to say we, um, ever. Uh, they are not. I don't bleed with this team, sadly. I may feel like I'm bleeding with this team, but I don't deserve the. Uh, I don't deserve to say we or me uh, with my Boilermakers. Uh, these, uh, this team needs to shape up, though. They need to get better. There's no doubt. <clears throat> if there's any chance of them doing anything special. Um, yeah, Nathan Anderson says, this Minnesota game is the linchpin. I tend to agree. I hate putting that much pressure on one game. And I would never do it as a coach. But since I'm just a guy at home talking about Purdue football, I think I can say it, and I think you can say it, Nathan, that this game is absolutely imperative. If they come out of that stretch, that October stretch 3-1, and you can almost uh, forgive and forget the Syracuse loss. That that situation would make that Syracuse loss almost a race um, because that means you beat either either um, Minnesota or Wisconsin. So uh, let's see. Ted Berkey says, do you think the injuries are the source of our issues or something between the ears? Um, I think there's definitely something between the ears, Ted. Absolutely think there's something between the ears because um, they're making the same types of mistakes over and over and over. And I also think injuries contributed yesterday for the team being out of position time and time again. I think Reese Taylor's um, absence was extremely important against a team that fast. Taylor is very fast. Taylor's probably one of the five fastest guys on the roster, I would think. Um, But Florida Atlantic speed was tough for Purdue to keep up with all day. I think one thing you can say about this Purdue team, let's look at a, a bigger scope issue. Purdue is, Purdue is super strong and physical, especially in the middle. They do a great job. It happened over and over yesterday where Florida Atlantic tries to run up the gut. Penn State tried to run up the gut. Syracuse tries to run up the gut. Um, and Purdue's bigs inside are so good at hitting a guy and then pulling him back. Like just using man force, right? Uh, almost like wrestling type force and strength to bring a guy backwards and to make sure he's not going to keep going. So they're a strong team. They're even strong at linebacker physically. I think the corners and safeties are pretty physical in their nature of play. But the team speed, especially on defense, is simply not there. And I, you could even argue on offense, there isn't a ton of team speed. I love what Maccabee brings because his athleticism and speed. I think his upside is absurdly high for this offense. I think Charlie Jones has been obviously uh, essential. Um, he had just a couple of plays that were eye-popping. He's very, very good. I think Aiden O'Connell makes Charlie Jones better because he throws into windows like nobody else in this in this quarterback stable. So he missed um, uh, Jones missed O'Connell more than anybody, obviously. Uh O'Connell would have taken the risk because he he believes that Jones can catch anything. I Burton price said, eh, I'm not gonna try that pass. Burton tried to throw in traffic a couple times yesterday. One ended really badly. Was a linebacker was on a backpedal. He didn't even see him, and he threw it pretty much right in the gut. Remind me of some a mistake that Curtis Painter used to make a lot. He'd miss the the linebacker dropping into coverage. And uh, but like I said, Burton had a great day. Great day, and I don't think anybody can disparage him. Um, The Purdue offense is different. It's a very different look with Burton back there. Let's see. Ted Berkey says, if we win out, I could forbid, forgive both the Syracuse and Penn State losses. That's big hearted of you, Ted. Very, very good. A lot of heart here. So thanks for tuning in. Um, I'm at nearly 18 minutes, so uh, appreciate your time um, and uh, hope, we can, hope we can see a magical October. That, that, I think it's very possible. I don't know if it's likely. So have a great day. Hammer down. God bless you. We'll see you soon.